0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Darrell Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Since cervical cancer screening was implemented in the mid 20th century, we've seen death rates from cervical cancer decrease by over 70%. Despite this, it's expected that in 2019, over 13,000 new cases of invasive cervical cancer will be diagnosed and over 4,000 women will die from cervical cancer. We now have more than one test for cervical cancer screening and the screening recommendations have gotten somewhat complicated. With us today to sort out everything you need to know about cervical cancer screening in 20 minutes is Lois McGuire a certified nurse practitioner specializing in women's health in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Lois, welcome. Thank you so much. Well, let's talk about the different screening tests. I recall a patient coming in to see me once and she said, Doc, I need a pap smear. And that triggered me to start looking into her alcohol use, but... um, (laughs) We have more than pap smears now. We got the HPV uh, and the co testing. Can you sort out those, the different tests we have available?
1: Right. So we have the just strictly cytology testing. And that's just looking at the cells to see the health of the cells and that sort of thing. Um, when a woman is under 30, then she just gets cytology at this point.
0: And that's pap smear?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a Pap smear, and then we also do co-testing, which is screening for high-risk HPV types. And HPV is the majority of the reason why people do get cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. So HPV, um, we screen for all the high risks, and that really gives us uh, confidence that this woman's Pap smear is normal. When your cytology, her cells look normal, and then also we have the screening um, of the high-risk HPV types. There is. An HPV 16, 18 test, but that would be really rare that you would use that by itself mm-hmm. right now because it's better to have the full picture. Sometimes, um, I was talking to one of my partners this morning and she had an HPV negative test on a patient, but the cytology looked off, so she took a biopsy and it was CIN3. That's
0: got to be unusual.
1: It's very unusual, but that's where you want the whole picture.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how long does it take for cervical cancer to develop? It's not overnight.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. The average age for cervical cancer is age 47, and mm-hmm. it takes years and years and years to develop. So it's a very slow-growing cancer in the HPV cancer type types.
0: And that's probably, I assume, the foundation for decreasing the frequency of pap smears in, in cervical cancer right. screening, and that we no longer need to do it every year.
1: Right, I think a lot of women are nervous about that because we've been trained so well, and providers as well, we've been trained to do an annual pap, annual pap, annual pap. Mm -hmm. But now that we know it's HPV caused because we know HPV grows so slow, we realize that was a little overzealous. Mm -hmm. So in the 70s when the pap smear was devised, that got to be a carrot for women you couldn't do anything without getting your pap smear right. and then when we realized it was hpv caused and that's slow growing we realized that's too zealous and now that we have this co-testing as well Um, We can really rely on the cytology and HPV screening every five years in a woman over 30. Mm -hmm. I was really hesitant myself. I just thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can trust this. And I was slow to adapt because I went to three years for a while. But I have never gotten burned. And I've probably been doing the five-year pattern Mm -hmm. for 10 years or so. It's just that slow growing. The most I've ever gotten is a normal to a low grade.
0: Well, it broke a tradition that we have mm-hmm. had for so many years. And I recall yeah. in my early practice, we wouldn't refill birth control pills unless they had an, their annual pap smear, which mm-hmm. there's really no relation there. But uh, right, interesting.
1: Right. It was just that carrot to get people in and yep. to get them trained.
0: Yeah. So when should cervical cancer screening begin?
1: So we used to say with uh, sexual debut or um, 21. Now we say just 21 because you think about it. Um, When young women are exposed to HPV, their bodies, if they're healthy and they have this robust immune system, their bodies will clear 70% of it in one year. 90% of women will clear in two years. So it puts so much worry and concern into this young woman and procedures and doing biopsies on her cervix that are unnecessary, knowing that she's going to take care of this herself probably. Mm -hmm. So age 21 is when we start.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. You got into this just a little bit, but it is confusing to -hmm. know how frequent to do cervical cancer screening. Could you spend a little bit more time on that and go through the details?
1: Right. We practice with the ASCCP guidelines, which is American Society of Colposcopy and Cervical Pathology. That's what our department follows, and they have excellent guidelines. From age 21 to 30, a cytology only should be done um, every three years. And after age 30, a cytology with reflux, or HPVs, high-risk screening, should be done every five years until the age of 65. Then if she's had normal pap smears, especially over the last 10 years, um, she's had three normal pap smears in the last 10 years, then she can discontinue pap smears altogether.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's for negative results. <coughs> mm-hmm. Positive results, that's a whole different story. You
1: know, just because you asked me, what we would do with positive results, uh, kind of to prep me for this, I thought, I wonder how many algorithms there actually are. Yeah. And this gets really confusing. I counted them this morning. There's 19 algorithms for the different pap smear result types. But the good news is um, the ASCCP has an app that you can download for $10. And it's really simple. You put in the patient's age, um, that you put in whether they're pregnant or not. And then you put in what the cytology was and the HPV status was of their pap smear, and it tells you exactly what to do. It brings you to the correct algorithm. Okay. And so that's really nice to have. Um, there's a paper copy of it, too, a little booklet that you can get, but the if, having it right on your phone is pretty slick.
0: All right. Yeah. That's what's getting complicated, and mm-hmm. I'm convinced that's job security for OB-GYN because <laughs> uh, we can't figure this out anymore. So. Yeah.
1: It is complicated. I don't try to memorize it, honestly. Yeah. Even working with pap smears every day, I don't even memorize it. I just look.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that one professional society. There are others. U.S. Right. Preventive Services Task Force, American College of Obstetrics, Gynecology, right. um, ACS. Do they all have the same recommendations? Or are they all different?
1: You know, there are some slight variances. I looked that up, and the variances are so small that they're not significant. So... Maybe slight variances, but that's it. Okay. Yeah.
0: And I think we're talking about healthy women here for screening. How about those who may be immunosuppressed, such Mm as uh, HIV patients?
1: Right. A whole different set of guidelines. For anybody that's suppressed, we recommend cytology every year. And if you're doing it every year, you can uh, um, not do the reflex testing with the HPV, high-risk testing, so if you're doing a pap smear every year and just watching how those cells are maintaining, you should be good with cytology only, but on an annual basis. Okay. And same with transplant patients or patients that are immunosuppressive drugs mm-hmm. or anything like
0: that. All right. Mm-hmm. Another confusing part of this is some of the pathology reports we may get back from the pap testing. Uh, what are some of those results that we may see?
1: So, uh, one you might see is no end cervical cells received.
0: Yeah, I get that occasionally. Mm-hmm. And what specifically does that imply?
1: So, that means they didn't see enough cells to be able to evaluate the cytology well. Okay. And so, if the HPV was done, as a reflex with that and it's negative, you can still go back to routine screening. Okay. But if they didn't do HPV screening, then we would repeat it in three years. All right. mm-hmm. So they didn't say anything abnormal, but they're not sure they saw enough cells to give you a really confident result.
0: And does most cervical cancer begin at that endocervical junction Correct. where the cells change? Mm-hmm. And that may be a little bit in the canal a bit. Mm-hmm. Is that the reason they added the cytobrush for the... Uh, for inserting into the canal just Mm -hmm.
1: a bit? Yep. Okay. And so just making sure you get that side of brush in and then twirling it a little bit. Sometimes with a postmenopausal woman, the os to the cervix Mm -hmm. is obstructed. And you can take an os finder to open that. Um, Sometimes I'll take a little number 11 blade to open it so I can get into the cervical canal and get a good reading for them.
0: Mm, That's something I would not feel comfortable. I'm prohibited from using anything sharp in my practice (laughs) sleep. I've had, I've had problems in the past. <laughs> Have you been searching for your next CME conference? Find our complete listing of family medicine offerings, including the always popular clinical reviews courses at ce.mayo.edu slash family medicine. What should be done with women who have a positive HPV?
1: So it depends on if it's 16, 18, or one of the others. If it's 16, 18, they should have colposcopy. If it's one of the others, I would look to see what the cytology says as well, by going back to those algorithms that I talked about. But sometimes a repeat pap smear is okay in a year, depending on what the cytology looks like. So Mm -hmm. always go by the algorithms.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: That's the safest thing to do.
0: All right. And how about women who've had hysterectomies? I've had them come in and say it's time for my cervical cancer screening, and I realize there's no cervix. Right, right. Do, do they need continued mm-hmm.
1: checks? No. So if actually I should I should hold that back. It depends on what was the cause of their hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. If their hysterectomy was for CIN two, CIN three, we would continue screening for twenty years. Uh, routine screening for twenty years mm-hmm. on that patient. If it was for benign reasons, like heavy menstrual bleeding or fibroids or something like that, then no. Once they've had the hysterectomy, they no longer require a pap smear.
0: And how about the rare instance where women might have had a hysterectomy but the cervix was left in?
1: You know, that's a really tough one um, because then you need to continue your pap smear Mm -hmm. screening. And we haven't really found a good advantage in doing a suprapubic hysterectomy. or excuse me, cervical hysterectomy, Mm -hmm. oftentimes they end up with abnormal bleeding because um, the incision wasn't made at the right height, and so you still have some endometrium, and then they still are at risk for abnormal pap smears. So um, I wouldn't encourage doing that kind of hysterectomy, but we do still need to watch their
0: pap smears. And you rarely see that, but on occasion, and you wonder why Mm. was it done this way?
1: Uh, About 10 years ago, there was some... there was some debate about whether sexual function was better if the cervix was left. Uh Now they've done enough research to show that that does not help with sexual function, and so you're just putting the woman at risk for other things, Mm -hmm. really, or a possible another big procedure.
0: This is a little bit off the topic, but what about the value of a pelvic exam
1: Uh,
0: in a woman who's had a hysterectomy?
1: Right. Right. So we're a mess about this because now that we're not doing annual pap smears on women with or without a you know hysterectomy, the all the societies are really debating how often is the pelvic exam really necessary and needed. I struggle with this because my focus is GYN. That's mm-hmm. what I want to make sure my patients have a healthy vagina, healthy healthy vulvar tissue, all of that. And so I really struggle with it because I think someone needs to look occasionally at least. And I really, especially with somebody that's had a hysterectomy, I think every few years it's okay to go ahead and do a pelvic exam. I don't know that they need one annually. Mm -hmm. Um, And then especially if their ovaries are intact and they're having any symptoms at all. But I do like women to have an inspection definitely of the vulvar tissue, because we think of vulvar cancer being asymptomatic. Um, Often, this is once a month at least, I'll have a patient come in and say that she denies any kind of itching. Mm -hmm. And then when I lift up the sheets to do her exam, she's got frank lichen sclerosis. And I'll say, you didn't tell me you had itching when I asked. And she said, I've talked about it for years. All I get is diflucon because Mm -hmm. no one looks. And it's not a Fungal issue, it's a Mm -hmm. tissue issue. So, we do need to look how often, I would say every two to three years, but the guidelines aren't clear on that from any organization, and everybody's saying something different.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there really is no effective screening test for ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's how I kind of justify the exam. And the other thing I find useful is looking at the vaginal mucosa, Mm -hmm. and that's useful. In looking for atrophy, and especially if a patient has some degree of mm-hmm. urinary frequency and overactive bladder, that might be related there as well. Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I think you're absolutely right, because what I try to tell people is out of kindness, you should ask women about sexual function and look at their vaginal tissues, because women want to be sexually active. I just read an article that 40% of women over 65 are still sexually active. But if it hurts and that's such a simple thing to rectify mm-hmm. giving them some vaginal estrogen why wouldn't you give that to sure. them there's no contraindications no. to it we give it to our post breast cancer survivors mm-hmm. you know so anyway absolutely just in their general health and not just looking for pathology you're mm-hmm. absolutely right
0: back to cervical cancer screening when can we stop
1: 65 okay so if she's had normal pap smears 65 just go ahead and stop if she recently had an abnormal pap smear, then you want to get three normals before you let go. Okay. Yep.
0: So a distant abnormal, that's no not problem. An issue.
1: Yeah. Most people have their abnormals in their 20s and 30s. And now if she's 65. I wouldn't even give that a thought. I would okay. stop.
0: Mm-hmm. How about the woman over age 65 who has a new sexual partner?
1: So we don't screen them either. Okay. And the reason is HPV, once again, is very slow growing. So when you think that the average age is 47, those women probably have had it for 20 years. So if you're talking a 70-year-old with a new partner, she's not gonna have a cervical cancer till she's well in her 90s.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about HPV and its relationship to cervical cancers. Are all cervical cancers caused by HPV?
1: No, they are not. About 90% or greater are though. So it does cover a lot of them.
0: Okay. So the HPV vaccine... Oh,
1: I'm so glad you brought this up.
0: Yeah, that's that's an important issue.
1: Right, right. Tell me,
0: talk, talk a little bit about that.
1: So HPV vaccine is recommended for all girls between the age of 9 and 12. And the reason why they selected that is we're not worried that your 12-year-old is having sex for most families. Um, but. Sexual debut for 24% of girls has happened by age 15. So you want to give them that immunization before their sexual debut, before they've been exposed to anything. That's when it's most effective. Also, they get a little bit more uh, of an immunization boost if it's given younger versus older, so any girl I speak about girls, but it's girls and boys mm-hmm. should be screened. And when you think that it's a cancer prevention vaccine, we've never had that before. So the cancers that involve the throat, the back of the throat, and the tongue, uh, vulva, vulvar cancer, vag- vaginal cancer, cervical, um, and anal cancer is pretty amazing so if you can prevent that for your child you know I don't know why you wouldn't sometimes I have parents say well I don't know how to talk to them about this one Mm -hmm. and I think if they're 15 you need to have a discussion but if they're 9 10 or 11 it's just a vaccine like they have their tetanus or their MMR you don't go into great detail about that it's just vaccines to keep them healthy Mm -hmm. and so I think that's some guidance for parents now they've opened it up so men and women Um, 27 to 45 can have the vaccine as well.
0: That was my next question. What about the young adult who's never had it?
1: And so all my patients that are all of a sudden find themselves in the dating world, um, or have had problems with persistent pap smears, abnormal pap smears, I'm encouraging them to get the HPV vaccine. I know Medica covers it, mm-hmm. so that's interesting for people to know. Providers always wonder, is it covered because it's so expensive? And that's one of the advantages of having your child immunized before age 15. You only have to have two immunizations, and I think they're like 300 apiece. Mm-hmm. So if they wait till 15 or after, then we're promoting three Um, individual immunization shots.
0: Now, for the young adult, and you're considering the HPV vaccine, would you check her first for HPV? Because if it's positive, would you still give the vaccine?
1: Absolutely. Because think about that. The new immunization covers nine HPV types. Okay. So she's probably not been exposed to all nine of them. It won't be effective for the ones she has been exposed to, but it'll definitely protect her for ones that she hasn't been exposed to. Good point. So you can absolutely go ahead and give it to her.
0: All right. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's theoretically possible to eliminate cervical cancer?
1: No. Because
0: You'd be out one out, out of 10
1: Yeah, <laughs> be out of a job. I don't want to. No, no, no. One out of 10 or less possibly, you know, aren't caused by HPV. So okay. we're not going to eradicate, but think about if 9 out of 10 are caused by HPV, we could do some real damage to the numbers and make them really come mm-hmm. down nicely. Yeah. So this is so preventable.
0: And we have really improved the screening Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. just the ordinary pap smear, and there's been a lot more thinking that's gone involved in research in Mm -hmm. terms of the current recommendations. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's finish by asking you to summarize maybe three key points of what we talked about in the last 20 minutes.
1: First of all, um, I would definitely go by guidelines for pap smears because it's way too confusing to try to come up with your own guidelines. And there's so much science that has gone into this. And for you to try to figure it out on your own just doesn't make sense. So have those guidelines close at hand. Like I said, there's a little pamphlet. If you're not an iPhone user, if you're an iPhone user, there's this really nice app for $10 and it's easy to download. Secondly, I would really want to promote the HPV immunization. I can't promote that enough. It's recommended by the American College of Pediatricians, OBGYN. Every group that exists recommends this, from dental to GI. All of them recommend this. So it's backed up by lots of good minds that it's not unsafe. It's a very safe vaccine. And then thirdly, um, to look at people's vulvas and Mm -hmm. vaginal tissue and take care of the whole woman Mm -hmm. and not be afraid of her vagina.
0: (laughs) We've been discussing cervical cancer screening with Lois McGuire, a certified nurse practitioner and women's health specialist in the department of OBGYN at Mayo Clinic. Lois, great interview. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us.
1: Absolutely. It was fun.